This is Fashion in Focus, the weekly New Zealand fashion podcast covering our creative world from a unique perspective. My name is India Leishman. And I'm Murray Bevan. And every week, we'll connect you with the leading designers, editors, influencers, and stylists from all over the world. If you love fashion, this is the podcast for you. When I was a young lad running to and from football practice, watching Ali G's seminal docu-series In It on VHS, my sister came home from work one day and said her bosses wanted some help in the office. She'd recommended me, and I pretty much had to front up to a meeting in the coming days to see what was on offer. At the time, I was finishing my senior year at high school and had been accepted into university to study architecture, so the thought of some part-time work was music to my ears. But fashion though? I really didn't know much about it, save for wanting the coolest new trainers I could afford and making sure my shorts and shirt were pressed for school each Monday. I didn't even know the difference between a skirt and a dress. But that's where it all began for me, my somewhat chance introduction to Karen Walker and her husband Mikhail Gurman, and a school holiday job licking stamps and sticking address labels onto over 4,000 VIP fashion sale postcards that I trundled down to the post office. Little did I know that I had stepped into a world that would alter my own life forever. Since then, like many Kiwis for whom fashion is an integral part of their work, creative or personal life, the name Karen Walker has become as familiar as the All Blacks. Karen and her tight, loyal and forward-thinking teams have constantly challenged norms and pushed their own boundaries to bring new ideas and products to the fans. The brand name Karen Walker has put New Zealand fashion on the map and opened countless doors for other designers and fashion creatives to succeed both in New Zealand and around the world. The media love her story, a story which continues to evolve and reveal new chapters of creativity, partnership and business month after month, year after year. It is an absolute pleasure to have sitting here with me for the next hour, fashion designer, mother, wife, businesswoman, tennis player, pro chef, perfectionist and champion speller, Karen Walker. Karen, welcome to Fashion and Focus. Thank you, Murray. Did you really not know the difference between a skirt and a dress? I vividly remember the day when your production manager was taking me through a line sheet and I called something a skirt and he was like, ah, um, that's a dress. <laughs> that was Shane. Shane Brinkler. <laughs> because they both were on ladies. They kind of had a bit that started at the waist, which splayed out and ended around their ankles. And I was, <laughs> I thought they were the same thing. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's uh, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know that story, that's where it started. I've probably regurgitated that. One bit I left out was that Mikhail apparently said in that meeting, we need someone like Scooter from the Fraggles. <laughs> he did say that. So for anyone yeah. who knows Scooter from the Fraggles, uh, imagine me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Karen, oh, it's been really tough to like figure out what we talk about and what we don't talk about so we're just going to wade into some big stuff and if you want to take it somewhere else then let's go okay um, we've always found something to talk about over the last 25 <laughs> years Murray. i'm sure we won't have trouble today yeah 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 totally <laughs> so i've got a whole bunch of stuff here which is like all of these big things that you've done in your years so i'm going to pick some moments and we'll we can go back to them if, if we want during the talk so 1989 
started your business? Something like that. 89, 88, I don't know. That's what the Long. internet says. We'll oh, go with Yeah, you t- okay, well then it must be true. I, I'm going to go with 89. <laughs> 1995 opened your first store in Newmarket. I guess, I know, you tell me. Which is in the same space? Yeah. Now as it was when you yeah. opened it, which is bit bigger now. Bit but, bigger now. Yeah. But pretty amazing corner yeah. of Balm Street, yeah. Nuffield Street, Newmarket. That one. The first one. Yeah. Flagship. 1998 Hong Kong Fashion Week show, Daddy's Gone Strange. Yep, that sounds right. Picked up by Barney's. Yep. Boom. I think that was when I was there. Possibly, yeah. That Maybe would it be had about something that time. to do with the success. Yeah, that would have been it. <laughs> <laughs> and 1998 Madonna Wears Your Killer Pants at the MTV Music Awards. Yeah. Yeah. First Amazing. introduction to the power of celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's something we can touch. Mm. I haven't, I haven't got that plan, but that would be mm. awesome to touch on later because these days, of course, it plays such a huge part in in most modern businesses. Mm. So, ninety nine and two thousand, you're part of the London Four. Mm-hmm. Um, two thousand, you're also the first Kiwi to have a solo show at New York Fashion Week. Mm, no. I thought that was later. No, maybe that was London Fashion Week. That must be London Fashion Week. The internet Week. was confused yeah. on that one. Yeah. Uh, it does get things wrong every now and then. It's every now and then, mm. and there's nobody there to correct it. Mm. 2004, you're made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. And in 2014, you're promoted to companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit. Such has been your service to fashion. Yeah, so they tell me. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> so You must be just about due for one. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> um, so... All of these things, we're talking about a business that started in New Zealand and has remained in New Zealand and has just achieved such awesome stuff here and around the world. So taking your business global must have must have been an enormous task, especially in the days before the internet and email and mobile phones and so many other platforms of connection that we rely on these days. And not to make it sound like you were traveling by ship for weeks to get to London or mm. anything that, that extreme, but it would have been tough and it would have been expensive. Mm. And you were doing things for the first time. Mm. Fashion designers here hadn't done that before. Yes. Can you share with me a, f- a few of those learning moments and a few of those things that stand out, things that you experienced for the first time, going with your gut and some of the outcomes, maybe the good and maybe some of the ones that you thought, let's not do that again. Well, I think it all comes down to why I got into fashion in the first place, which is that I wanted a career of, you know, might be 40 year career, you know, that that I loved, that it was something that mm. when I got up in the morning, I was excited about my day. And I, I wanted to spend my working years doing something that lit me up, doing something that excited me and that I was had a love for and that was fashion that's the only thing I could think of when I was 15 and first mm. having having the, this kind of thinking but actually what it was was just having a, a career a, a, that was from a place of creativity and it happened to be fashion because when I'd been growing up there was a banana sewing machine there was a box yeah. of fabric and that was kind of my rainy Sunday thing right and and there was you know some examples in front of me of, of you know how how to be thoughtful and care for a pretty presentation and so on. Right. But, you know, it could have been, like, if there'd been a Super 8 camera lying around, it might have been film, if, you know, yeah. it could have been anything. But that was, that, was, that was the medium I had in front of me, and that's what I fell in love with. But actually, it's not, it's not really about making fashion so much. It's just, it's just about creating beautiful 
things that I think are beautiful, things that I think are useful, um, things that mean something to the people who buy them and wear them and use them. Um, and storytelling too. I think that that's mm. kind of the bigger part of it. And and so, you know, we're not, when, you know, I start my first thing I ever made and to sell to, to a friend was a shirt. So yes, we started in the business of clothes that you wear on your, on your body, but it very quickly extends into other things. And I, I just think of it as being about storytelling and about taking people on a voyage and making things that I love. Mm. And I don't, I don't really know where I was going with that thought. That's but, okay. I mean, I, what it, what it feels like is that, that sense the, 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 the desire to create the sense that you wanted to be creative, the sense that you wanted to do things well mm. existed early on. Yes. So, yes. Oh, and I think that the internationalism yeah. was, sorry to interrupt, but that, yeah, okay. I just remembered where I was going. That it, we kind of had to do that in order to create the kind of work that we wanted to create. So and I got to be into a, the maybe business. around the peers that were going to push you to be as good as you could possibly be. Did I don't know if I've thought it through that much, but yeah, yeah. probably. In yeah. hindsight, maybe yeah. like you were, I always yeah. remember Mikhail saying, you know, whenever we go overseas, we're surrounded by A++ mm. brands, wherever mm. you look, media, yeah. Yeah. everyone's pushing you to yeah. be the best you could be. Yeah, so you can't get away with sloppy work no. when you're putting yourself in that environment. And it would be easy to stay here and be a big fish in a small pond, mm. but constantly you've gone, actually, I need to get out of here and go and be in a different context, mm. whether it's uh, whether it's going to New York or London mm. or Asia or mm. like success in Japan and other places and retail and wholesale, it's like you've constantly gone, not I'm too good for this area, you've never ever come across as that, but mm. it's more uh, why don't we go and try existing in a different context and yeah. and pushing ourselves to be... Yeah, that, that's 100% it, can. and that might take the form of you know, showing in New York for 20 seasons, or mm. it might take the form of going into a completely different type of product to mm. something we, we have been in before, or communicating in a different way, or whatever it yeah. is. But that idea of, yeah, just always, um, I guess, always throwing your hat over the wall and then going and having to figure right. out how to find it, how to get it. And those, I remember back in the days when I was in the workroom and you guys would get Colizioni magazine. Yeah, still got all those. Still got all those, somewhere. Right? Yeah. But that was like everyone mm. in the workroom was just fizzing when that came through mm. the door. And they would be air freighted in mm. through Magnation or yeah. Mag Magazino. Magazino. Would have been Magazino. Yeah. And they were what? Three, four inches thick. Yeah. And that was every runway show of all the big cities mm. all at once. And that was, that's how you either for some people it would have been how they got their inspiration yeah. others it was if is what i'm doing keeping up with the world yeah. and if i done am i creating something that someone's already done mm. Mm. what do you think and i remember the first time we were ever featured in collezioni it would have yeah. been 98 uh we showed at sydney fashion week and um and that was kind of one of those you know pinch me moments i haven't yeah. thought about that in 20 years but um you know that was kind of one of those moments of oh we're uh, we're at that level. Yeah. Not only are you operating on that level, but mm. you've been accepted at that level. Yes. And now that you're on the same pages as other brands. Yes. And I yeah. guess that's something that motivates most people through their careers of mm. pushing yourself that bit further. You don't just, uh, you know, don't just get, get comfortable. Do you think that's become easier for people to achieve because they can, they can see who's out there. They can see the platforms. There's more content and it's maybe the, I don't know, the, are the checks and balances in place there as much as they maybe used to have been to achieve at those levels? Or do you think that the checks and balances are still there, but people maybe are just on average operating at a, at a higher level? 
Well, everything's different now to what it was, you know, 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago. Mm. So, yeah, everything changes. You get a, a one, usually it's, you know, a technological shift and everything gets, re, all the rules get rewritten. Mm. And that's something you're either terrified by or you run towards and embrace. Yeah. And we've been talking and it's something that comes up in these sessions with people time and time again is that that the new normal mm. is that rapid change mm. and that that constant mm. acceptance of evolution tomorrow yes. and nothing that was the same today will ever be thus yes. tomorrow yeah. or the next day yeah. and so guess what don't hold on to things too tightly yes yeah <laughs> and also maybe maybe i mean yes celebrate the wins and, and be proud of them but also know that tomorrow someone might catch up to you someone may overtake you mm. someone may not be here tomorrow mm. you know you're all of those all of those things yeah. right yeah so one of the things that I suppose I've always loved about your brand and what you've created with both Mikhail and, and your team in general for years and years and years uh, is the fact that you are, you often celebrate the anti-it girl. And one of, your, one of your things that you've said in passing, and it's not a mantra at all, but you know something that used to ring around the office was when they zig, we zag. And to back that up, that, that Karen Walker woman, not as exclusively the, the anti-it girl, but it's it's someone who maybe doesn't play by all the rules and go in the way that everyone else is going all the time for the sake of it. Mm. It's Talk- questioning. I think it's about curiosity and questioning mm. at its heart. And because what people are told, especially through modern fashion media, which is generally go with the pack, go with the trend, buy what's new to fit in, mm. Why was it that decision to maybe go off piste a little bit and choose that that different path and to celebrate that? And how has that impacted on your business in general and the and the people who maybe have gravitated towards you? Hmm. Uh, again, it was just like what came back to that first reason why I wanted why I chose to be in this business was I wanted a career path that would light me up. And so for me, how that shows up in terms of the actual work is uh, not just going with the pack or doing it like that because that's how everybody else does it or whatever that is. Mm. It's always, it, it always at, at, at its core, this business and this brand has always come back to what feels right for me, which has not changed since day one. Mm. And obviously it manifests in everything from the product to the imagery to the wording to you know every yeah. every touch point every way in which you present to the world and it's always been about um me wanting to just do it in a way that lights me up mm. and luckily for me other people kind of have have liked that from mm. Time to time, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but he hasn't. Ne- we've never been the brand that's like, oh, what's you know, you know, this is in or that's in, or what does the market research say? Like that's just yeah. like, which that's is not maybe, why I got into the business in the first place. Maybe harder to, to do it these now. days when people are like, but do what the data tells you to do, you know? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and your guts yeah. may be like, oh, but yeah. I feel like yeah. our people are maybe not there, yeah, or they've got other things going on more yeah. than just what the data is telling you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I never look at the data. Yeah. How, <laughs> How empowering and how great was it when you went off the beaten track? And I think some of the 
people that I admire the most in business and especially in fashion have done just that. Mm. It's pretty scary because you've mm. got a you're doing what you love and you're doing what you think is right, but it may not be what everyone else is doing, and it may take a little time for them to find you or to mm. to to tick the box of approval next to you. You don't seem like someone who needs the approval to succeed or to exist. You know, it's just for us. It's just always been about just making product that lights us up, mm. and if and doing it in a way that lights us up. And if it wasn't like, oh, we must go off piste. No, no, no. It was just like, well, let's just show New York Fashion Week. Yeah. Do it Who because we can. Who cares that nobody else has done it or it's insane yeah. to do it based in New Zealand or whatever. Just that's what feels right to us. And yeah. we've never never really analysed like, um, how that compares to other people's businesses or brands. It's just like, well, that feels interesting to us and that's a way in which we can tell our story until there's a different way to tell our story that's better. Yeah. Um, or we figure out it well, doesn't work or we didn't like it and we yeah. do something else. Well, we've just changed our minds because we're allowed to do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and not being answerable to a huge group of shareholders or mm. I know you've had a board, but mm. it's, you know, it's... Yeah, when you, it's, when you own your own company and your own trademark and... Yeah, your name's and on the bus- door. And your name's on the door and... and you know, business is rocking along. There's no red on your on your you know, yeah. end of year results. That allows you to make those decisions as well. Yeah. So collaboration has always been what well, has been a part of your business probably since the early two thousands. Mm. Um, you embarked on your first range of paints with Resine in two thousand and one, mm. followed by a jewellery line in two thousand and three with Worth and Douglas, mm. and a partnership with Sunshades Eyewear in two thousand and four. All of these companies are experts in their field and, and mm. best in class, whether that's in New Zealand or overseas. Mm. And they all chose you to create new products with and products that have been hugely successful mm. and have generated tons of revenue and, like you say, have both lit you up and have lit up your fans mm. year after year, season after season. Tell me about how you decide on those partners to work with and how you've kept the collaborations remaining fresh and interesting especially for someone like you who could go you know what I want to take it in a different way or Mm. uh, like maybe start with how you choose those people and why you're so happy to work with them gosh is it 2001 since we started with Rosine yeah we've just that's what the internet says yeah no that's probably about right and yeah we've just (laughs) put out we're still with them we've just put out a fresh chart of uh, we're doing chalk paints with them my house is painted and Karen Walker Paraglacial blue, Some, buttery white. You saw it, right? You know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mary. Um, I didn't choose them, but I like them. <laughs> yeah. How we choose who we do a project with, it's it's several things. It's um, do we feel we have something to say in that field? Mm. Uh, you yeah, like fine jewellery, for instance. When when we were first approached with the idea of doing fine jewellery, it was an immediate yes because we felt there was really something missing out there. At that time, yeah. fine jewellery was kind of like the thing that got locked in the in the cupboard and pulled out once a year when you went to the opera. The fancy stuff. The fancy stuff. Yeah. And everything else was kind of costume or souvenir shop. Mm. Like there wasn't that idea of fine jewellery with takeout coffee and a pair of jeans and a pair of Stan Smiths, you know? And, and I love that idea when you did launch it, just to touch on this for a second, mm. of reward yourself. Yeah, don't that wait idea. For, yeah. Don't wait for the moment yeah. and then hope yeah. that someone else buys you that yeah. shiny ring or something else. That's like, right. Yeah. Just, that was a cool part of it. Just go and do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the first question, like, do we have something to say in that area? Is it something that interests us? What would we do? What would our take on it be? Mm. And 
if it is it authentic i guess is the is the other crucial part mm. so it kind of starts from the feeling starts from the fantasy and the the instinct and if we feel like that's got some legs and, and we have a point of view mm. and it's something we could really do in a 100% authentic way then we take it to the next step which is investigating the potential partners what's their setup what's mm. their what's their machine like mm. can they deliver on time can they deliver on quality what are the what's the factory mm. like uh, what you know how long they've been doing it how solid are they all that due diligence stuff because sometimes or a lot of the time I suppose if you're fronting it and they want you to front it mm. and there is a hole in the back end yeah, guess who gets guess who gets, gets the, the heartache, the yeah. pie thrown in their yeah, face. That's right. Yeah, um, and then and you know, do the numbers make sense and blah blah all that stuff. And then uh, probably the third box to tick is: Do we like our potential partners? Mm. Would I have them around for dinner in my home? Yeah, and that's really crucial. Whether it's a whether it's a like a long term marriage like we've had with Rosine, eighteen mm. years. Or short to like one month in and out, yep. fun, fast thing. Mm. I've always got to like these people. Yeah, for sure. Because you know why wouldn't why would you do a project with people mm. who you're ambivalent about? Yeah. Yeah, and it shows. I mean, it does show with your loyalty and both to to your collaborators and mm. and for them to you. And maybe that that comes on. <clears throat> I suppose loyalty doesn't really uh, equal freshness, but your eyewear, your paints mm. for sure, mm. jewellery, and we'll come on to mm. your atelier project later on. Mm. But um, it's not easy to answer, but how do you remain fresh and invigorated? And and maybe there's not a recipe that you can put your finger on about how you come into those meetings every month or every season with a collaborator and still have that, mm. you know, still have them light you up. Is yeah, there... sorry, I missed that second bit to your question. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, well spotted, right? Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. I reckon that you and your team and Mikhail and everyone that, mm. that that you respect, if it wasn't working, you wouldn't just do it for the money. You'd do it. Oh, yeah. You'd pull yeah. out if it wasn't feeling of right. Course. If of you course. figured it wasn't going to fit with what you wanted to do for today or tomorrow or next year. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Of course. You, you only do it as long as it feels right. Totally. Um, yeah. But how you keep it exciting, like with our, you know, with our eyewear, for instance, mm. that's been, we've been in the eyewear business for what was it, 16 years or something like that? Let me refer and, to my notes. <laughs> in fact, on the internet. Yeah. And how, Yeah, 2004 was okay, eyewear, so, so 15. 16, yeah, 15 years. Yeah. So how you keep that fresh is that's that's the job. Mm. That is our job is mm. to keep that fresh and exciting and mm. lighting us up and lighting up our community. Mm. And, um, and if... And if we're not doing that, if we ever lose the ability or the inspiration or the interest in doing that, then yes, the time has come mm. to move on. Yeah. And I know that the relationships that you've created through all these collaborations, especially the Sunshades guys, and I mean, they're such an, an awesome team of people, but um, it does feel like you've become a part of their company and mm. they, to a large extent, have become a, a part of yours. Mm. It's not these two things that seem to be running in, mm. in tandem. No, it's it a ma- it's a marriage. Pretty connected, yeah. right? You've got a. Th- I always think of these things as marriage. Like they become family, and you mm. become absolutely intrinsically bound to one another, and you treat mm. one another with respect, 
and huge amount of trust and tr- yeah you, you have mm. to trust one another and, and you feel it when you get let down by yeah. by someone mm. in that in, in that environment mm. which Sunshades have never done but mm. you know I have had it with other projects where it's just mm. like somebody completely goes off yeah. script or off plan you're like, why? Are you, mm. you know, why are you doing that? We had we had a trust here. We're trusting one another's mm. brands and abilities. And can and you sniff that out a, a little bit when someone yeah. might come to you? Because I suppose oh, yeah, what yeah. these yeah. collaborations have 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 created is actually a momentum, I suppose, for other mm. collaborations to come mm. to you. And mm. I suppose there's, mm. I'm assuming there's maybe others out there who you've said politely mm. thanks, but no, mm. but no one will ever see those come to fruition mm. or know that you know, know yeah. that they were even an idea in the first yeah. place. And yeah. there's probably a little sixth sense, right, that you're like, not right for us or yeah. not right for the time. Or, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, and you just go through all the same process. Like, do, do I have something to say in that area? Does it feel yeah. like the time is right? Can, can, well, I mean, the test is always, can when you have a collab, whether it's a, whether it's a long-term marriage mm. or, or a short-term, it's in and out for one month, whatever it is, one plus one should equal three. Mm. I always say, and if you can't get that for whatever reason, because you not don't feel lit up about the product, mm. you just don't have something to say, you just don't have any ideas, or they just seem flaky, or whatever it is, then you don't do if it. If it feels too hard, it's not right to do it, right? That's right. Yeah. So the current vibe, I feel, I, I, I don't think it's out of nowhere. You probably feel it too, and you've been analysing it, and you've been living in it this move towards maybe a slower fashion, a slower consumption, mm. even just fewer collections, less waste, mm. a more considered approach to purchasing by consumers. Mm. It's affecting everything in our industry mm. right around the world, which I think is is great. You have made changes in your business that have addressed a more considered approach to designing, to producing and purchasing. Two examples would be your beautifully edited Atelier Wedding Collection, which was launched uh, in... October yes. of 2019, and your recent uh, collaboration with Outland Denim, which was launched in November 2019. Yes. What have been the biggest shifts that you've seen or maybe felt in the way that the industry has had to change to adapt to that slowing down? Uh, and how has, that, how has maybe consumer behavior played a part in the slowing down of it or the way that you've reacted to how your consumers are, are buying and interacting with your brand. Mm. I think it probably has been consumer-led, mm. actually. And it's yeah, a very clear um, clear reaction to sort of the previous decade in fashion. Mm. And which was about more, more, more. Which is about more, more, and faster excess. and faster and cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. And the last decade, it's like there's been a 180-degree turn and it's really become about... Um, longevity and craft and care mm. and and not just buying for the sake of buying and buying less but better and making less mm. but better and all of that. And have you f- really felt that for a decade? Yeah. Because it feels in, yeah. it, it's probably gained so much more momentum in the last maybe five years. Yeah. But you've been f- sort of been feeling, feeling it. I've been feeling it for longer than that. Wow. And that, that like, not making lots of stuff, just making good stuff that will mm. last has always been at the heart of what we do. Mm. Um and I mean, now it's just like that's just the landscape we live in. You can't imagine it any yeah. other way, right? Um, in any area, yeah. Not and just it feels things good. that you wear in your body, yeah. And it feels great, yeah. and yeah, a lot of that I think is really driven by how people consume and what the choices they mm. make are. 
Do you it's find buying, that it's buying secondhand or it's sharing or it's renting or it's, mm. um, you know, buying less but buying really good quality or mm. whatever form that takes? It can take so many different forms. Do you, do you think, maybe a stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway, do you think that, that um, what's fundamentally enabled us to, to talk more freely with consumers through mm. social media, mm. do you think that that has, for you particularly, played a big part in how you can actually hear your customers and respond to them? And when they don't like something, they'll tell you. Mm. And when they want to return something, they're really loud about it. You know, mm. And someone, mm. I think it was Tim Brown at, at Allbirds said, he goes, even in the States, you can always tell when a Kiwi isn't happy because they'll really make you make it known. Everyone else is, and I thought it would be the opposite. I thought we'd be this passive, like, oh no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. They just, they just fell apart after an hour. You know, he's like, no, they'll, that like, if you do them wrong, they will yeah. make you know about it. Yeah, well, an intrinsic sense of fairness. Yes, that's what it was. Mm. And I suppose how how have you felt that interaction back from your consumers has been this great time to talk with them, not mm. at them all the time. Yes which maybe was how the other 10 years before that um, kind of... Uh, yes, well, the poor old consumers had been talked at for centuries, haven't <laughs> centuries, they? Centuries, yeah. I mean, they've just been talked at by the media or the retailer or whatever, mm. by the gatekeepers. And in the last 15 years, the gatekeepers, no, well, they really no longer exist. The power mm. is in the hands of the consumer. Mm. Yeah, and and the creators. There was and a really. It's been a really interesting ride to be on, and freeing. There was a really great talk, and I think you and Mikhail were maybe at the Business of Fashion Voices event, mm. mm-hmm. and there was a German woman who mm. talked about the fact that um, fashion is no longer the the idea of fashion is no longer fashionable. Mm. The idea that it used to be about elitism mm. and this one person at the top of this food chain, mm. this megastar designer who mm. is untouchable, mm. it's reversed. That mm. that idea is is not fashionable. The idea mm. is that you you the masses create the ideas and it's momentum mm. and it's it's the crowd and it's the mm. crowdfunding and it's the mm. protesting with your friends and it's mm. the joining into the conversation. Mm. You know, I find that was such a great synopsis of like, yep, mm. that's that's what's happening, you know. But also then it becomes about micro communities. Yeah. And and that does and that can exist in a digital form or a physical form. Mm. It's it's so much more about lot you know, small companies, small brands, individuals, small groups coming together and creating something. Mm. And rather than yeah, like the, the mega brand. So tell us about the Outland Denim collaboration because that uh, that probably has some very large scale parts to it, but mm. also probably for you some really personal mm. things that you felt were just right to do, mm. which maybe means that you would have done it with a company of any size. Mm. Tell us about that collaboration, how it came about and why you wanted to do it. Yeah, well, you know, we've always kind of played in the area of denim. I've always really enjoyed working in denim, but our take on it has always been uh, kind of, anti-jeans or anti-denim approach to denim, yeah. you know, kind of more of a fashion approach to it. Yeah. Like, I'm not a de- I'm not a jeans boffin mm. and I wouldn't have a clue how to cut the perfect pair of just classic, you know, classic mm. jeans or skinny jeans or whatever. Yeah. We always take the cloth, the denim cloth, and, and kind of treat it in more of a fashion approach. Mm. Um, so, you know, it might be like a, a 
dress with like a million frills coming off it and and what have you. Mm. And also I've always really hated uh, sort of uh, overly like fake, fake distressing on denim. I I, (laughs) I just can't believe the things you see people wearing when they look like like half the You'd front of the jeans has been cut like, out. Like, form follows function architect. Yeah, totally. I'm know? like, what is the point? It's going to fall apart, I mean, apart yeah. from the fact that it's literally going to fall apart yeah. and end up in a landfill in like five minutes because you've bought it already destroyed and, and all that stuff. I, I just don't get that. So yeah, it's, denim is a, is a functional fabric that yeah. that you should, earns the character, doesn't mm. come with built-in mm. character. So anyway, um so yeah, I've always loved being in the area of denim, and but take but treating it in a, in a fashion way rather than a sort of uh, jeans geek kind of way. Um, and I met these guys from Outland Denim a couple of years ago, James and Matt, and um, yeah, just loved their story, loved what they do, which essentially is James without ever having been in the jeans or denim business or fashion business ever in his life, set up a denim company <laughs> manufacturing out of Cambodia and and working with training and improving the possibilities for women initially but now men also who are in vulnerable situations and you know that could be anything from sex slavery to Mm. slavery on fishing ships or and everything in between everything Mm. beyond and so right from the beginning it's not actually about the product no it could have been any product yeah and it just happened that he <laughs> chose denim, chose yeah. jeans, and you know, so they do this fantastic job making beautiful product, great functional, gorgeous product, and changing people's lives, and therefore changing the world. Mm. And a, p- a big part of what they do is is about the training within the um, craft, making denim. It's not like there you go, you're putting rivets on, enjoy the next forty years of your life. Mm. It's like every everybody in their company was now 120 machinists and people in their company in Cambodia. Wow know how to make the product from start to finish which is quite unusual in this business but also there's a big element of it which is training so a big Mm. portion of their week is spent training around Mm. life skills money management child rearing whatever it Mm. is and so giving people tools to step into life with more choices yeah so you know what's not to love about that and they can make fantastic pair of jeans yeah. um so we've done this collab with where we just dove into our archives really like a workers wow. sort of 19th century shopkeepers workers jacket kind of silhouette that we'd had in the range like six seven years ago mm. um our high-waisted flared jeans that first appeared in the range about 14 15 years ago i think we showed them at london fashion week about mm. 15 years ago and they've been at, back many times in many different ways. They might have even been in Colizioni all those they may years ago. Well, they were certainly on Mrs. Mrs. Obama last year or this year, which was pretty thrilling for me. Um, and so it was just kind of digging into the archive and going, okay, well, how now let's see, you know, let these come back into into mm. the world in a different way. So, mm. But, you know, th- there's so many different ways that you can step into the world and present stories to community that, uh, that ref- that reflects your standards yeah. around this, this this stuff, and, and we're thrilled to work with Outland, and hopefully we'll keep working with them. Mm. Um, and it's so n- lovely to hear that business decisions are being made in this in this industry that aren't just about more product, cheaper product. Yeah, that's like, over. That's, yeah, that's it's over. not. It's it's mm. not even not at the heart of it. It's mm. it's just for some of these things. It's 
really not even being considered because that's just mm. not the point, you know? Yes. And for so long it's been, like I remember someone saying in Sydney when I think ASOS um, launched like one-hour deliveries in the Sydney CBD, mm. they were like, everyone in my company on a Friday at four o'clock just logged. I, I'm not going to get any more work out of them because they're all shopping online for something to wear that night. And at the same time that it excited me, I was like, oh, man, mm. that's just – I can just see the landfills going up and up and up and up and up. Mm. And that's just one one company, one city, one moment. They weren't trying to be bad, but it's just mm. – it's those decisions, I suppose, are so much more scrutinized these days. Yes, which is yes. Well, yeah, nobody's holding a pistol to your head and making you shop, right? No, absolutely. But going back to that, that point in the, in the beginning, I suppose, about kind of – what what the media and what consumers and what society and what even social media kind of almost encourage us or Im- implies that we should be doing is more, 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 now, 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 fast, 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 you know, and it's just great that things feel, literally mm. feel like they're slowing down. Yeah. 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 Touching back onto your Atelier collection, which you which you released in October 2019, now that was uh, a relook at a new part of your jewellery collection mm-hmm. um, maybe not a relook. that's probably not a, a good way to look at it but it's a it's looking at what's in your jewellery line and then in a new way in yeah. a new way yeah. you know and in that new way I suppose that's a lovely way to push into my next question which is that there was a beautiful piece of writing in that press release uh, that says Karen's jewellery if anything has taken that sense of purpose one step further empowering women to wear pieces that acknowledge and celebrate new rituals and iconic moments. Hmm. And the new rituals thing is is it's lovely because there hmm. are so many rituals even in fashion even hmm. when we talk about fast 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 more 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 hmm. there's that ritual that when you get dressed up it makes you feel a, a certain way and I remember working for you I went and got myself a new pair of trousers and new shoes and a new shirt and I felt like I was on top of the world. Hmm. Tell me about kind of how or whether or not those ritualistic moments have inspired those collections mm. or if it's almost something that comes along mm. that you have to analyse along the way. I think the thing with Atelier is, you know, the heart of it is customers have been asking us to make their wedding dress, wedding outfits for mm. a long time and we've always said no because... You know, for whatever reason, mm. it's not that's not the business we've, ta- we've yeah. taken on at that point. And sometime, I don't know, last year, we just thought, well, maybe we do have a point of view on it. What's mm. what would what would a bride wearing Karen Walker look like, and mm. how would that? What would our take on it be, and how would that be different to anything else she can get? And what I loved about the process of creating the line with the jewellery and the Mm. Uh, garments was it there was no sort of set timeline Mm. with it we just went into it purely creatively and then just saw where it went Mm. and that was a very different way for me with workings normally we'll work like this is the project this is the deadline okay we've got 24 months from first idea to hitting the stores or whatever it is and so you've got these like key dates you have to hit throughout and there's always that slight pressure but with this we we just didn't even have that we just went Mm. well okay what if and just started by digging into our archives building up a a panel on the design wall of what are some things just in our archive before we even start thinking about new shapes etc what are some things in our archive that 
we think would look awesome in a, in a mm. wedding situation. And there was no timeline, there was no like pressure on that. And after a couple of weeks, we had this wall of what we thought looked pretty cool. Mm. But there was still like, oh, we don't know if we're going to do it. We're just playing at the moment. Right. And then we met with a, a fabric house that we work with out of Switzerland who do all of, like, they're basically couture fabrics. They work with all the big, um, mm. with all the big, uh, you know, couture houses and also another uh, house in Spain who do the same thing. And um, so, well, let's just have a look at some fabrics and see if there mm. are fabrics that we think might work with that. But no pressure. You know, we're not, mm. not doing this. We're just playing. Yeah. And then we got some fabric in, and we made a few things and so on. And and after a few more months passed, and we had a rail of like 12 mm. finished pieces that all happened to be in ivory. Mm. Some tuxedos, some <laughs> long dresses, some short dresses, some Just lace. Happened, yeah. and, and it was only really after that point, probably six months from the first day we thought about it, that we went, okay, we're doing this. Mm. But we weren't like... Cool. Let's do it, and then everyone has to yeah. work like crazy. And, and you've got department stores going, we need those yeah. dresses yeah. in a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just very, um, it was yeah. a very slow process and very just um, about getting the product really right before hitting go. Yeah. But the interesting thing is once, now that that's in market, in fact, just before coming here, the reason why I asked if we could bump back half an hour mm. is because a client came in to, um, for a final fitting for her mm. dress, and it's the long, the the beautiful long taffeta dress with the bow on the back like it's the really brighty mm, bride dress mm, mm. but she'd selected in a dusty pink and I popped up to the atelier suite mm. and I saw it on her and we had a glass of champagne and toasted her marriage and amazing um and it was just really lovely yeah it was really lovely and she looks so beautiful in it and she's going to feel so special on the day Great. but the interesting thing is that probably only about a third of the dresses we've made so far are for weddings or right. for wedding days right they're for wedding dinners, they're for mm. um, uh, great d- daughter's graduation from school, mm. another client's getting something for to wear to her daughter's bat mitzvah. Mm. So, you know, it's like, it's like lots of different occasions, but special occasions, occasions mm. that, that it's one of those ones you just lock away in your heart and mm. that's that day. Yeah. And they're wanting an outfit that reflects the gravitas of the day sure and if that means getting something especially made for them fitted to them mm. time being taken to make it no one else is going to have it mm. if that's how that shows They're up not going to resell them. it on trade me and yeah no. that's right if that's yeah. how it shows up then that's great and that's actually what the heartbeat of it is mm. and not holding rails and rails of clothes mm. yeah, it's all made especially for the client only when they need it only when it's being summoned into existence does it mm. get made and even when I saw those atelier images and initially, it ju- it looked like love. It looked like yeah, thank you. You'd you and your team had just gone. You had taken mm. your time with it, and mm. I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's because I kind of understand or I can see the handwriting of what you do, or maybe because I've come to expect that Karen Walker drops X amount of eyewear collections a year, or the the seasons will come out at this time and that time. And that just came into the market, and I thought there's no need to do that. Mm. And whoever's decided to do it has done it because they love it. Mm. And it's just been this absolute passion project. And mm. you can see it. Mm. And I and it's so, mm. and I had no doubt, but it's so great to hear that people who are interacting with that product are feeling that, that same mm. thing. I think the love is at the heartbeat of it for the yeah. jewellery and the clothes. That it's yeah. a piece is only summoned into existence mm. when it's wanted, when it's, when it's loved, when it's yeah. needed. Yeah. That's at its core. Mm. 
I reckon that's a really nice time to wrap this up, Karen. I had a whole lot of other gritty stuff that I was going to throw at you, but I think that's, for me, honestly, that's the... It's Friday afternoon. I don't need the grit on a Friday afternoon. No, no one needs the grit. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's, I think for me, knowing you how long I've known you and I got introduced to to the company, which is, you know, you and Mikhail have grown so meticulously through my sister Angela and then being a part of your external PR team and your internal team and dropping things to the store and just having touch points with the company across all these years where you're at now it's just it's so beautiful to see that evolution of the company and it I don't know it just feels right like what you're doing is just cool and it's so nice to hear that you do it because you still want to do it you don't feel pressured to do it you Mm. don't do it because someone else tells you to do it Mm. you know what a great place to be it's a real privilege, mm. I've got to say, to uh, to go to work every day and create peace, create work that we're proud of, to tell stories we're proud of, to interact with fantastic people, to present our stories to people all of whom light me up, mm. and and to only make it if we love it, and not to do it for any reason other than that, which is all I ever wanted from my career. It's pretty special. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Murray. That was the latest from Fashion and Focus. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation. If you want more, make sure you subscribe to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week. Check out more of our episodes on your favourite podcast feed and get in touch with us at fashion and focus at showroom22.com. <laughs>